Welcome to the Word Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Domenica Pilo. I'm an author, copy editor, and book coach. Each week on this podcast, I'll share tips, tricks, and treats for all things storytelling. Join the coven and learn how to put your best quill forward and become a magical word crafter. Hey witch, I just wanted to interrupt this episode to tell you about a really exciting opportunity. I've opened enrollment for the Word Witch's Magical Mastermind. If you've been wanting to write a novel but are too scared to even start, if you started novel after novel but just can't seem to write more than a few chapters, if you're a seasoned author who is already published but you would like to write more books per year, or if your sales just aren't where they could be, then this mastermind is for you. For one year, every week at the same time, you will meet with me and five other word crafters to discuss goals, works in progress, to give critiques, to give advice on how to sell more books, and so much more. This is a huge value because for one year to hire me as your coach is $10,000. But for just $1,500, you get me every week, plus five other author minds to help you along. It's a no-brainer. There's even a monthly payment plan if you prefer to stretch your payments out throughout the year. The link's in my show notes, and I really hope to see you there. Now let's get back into the episode. Hey, Magical Word Crafters. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to apologize for everyone who is a weekly listener because I missed last week. I want to be as completely transparent with everybody as I can, and last week I just was really feeling it mentally. Um, Many of you know, if you're a regular listener, that I am back in college Um, I'm pursuing my degree in English and professional writing, and basically the reason for that is so that I can add more value to my authors and be able to help you guys out so much more. And it also benefits my own author career too. Now, you know I'm a huge believer that you do not need your English degree to be an author. However, I feel it helped me as a writer in leaps and bounds. So I'm pursuing my degree. I don't suggest that you do the same. It's not for everybody. It isn't necessary for everybody. It was necessary for me though. And I feel like the things that I'm learning, particularly because my my degree is in not only English, but professional writing as well. I am taking so many courses that help me with my actual job to help you guys and to be a better editor, to be a better coach. Um, I'm learning so many skills. So yeah, last week it was just crazy. Um, I'm also doing... A whole bunch of behind the scenes things with uh with word witch copy consulting um 
and building out websites and going through rebrand. So all of these things just kind of coagulated and I was just so burnt out. I couldn't even think about recording an episode. Um, I stressed out about it a whole lot. (laughs) And yeah. So today's episode is basically just a transparency episode. I just wanted to talk about who I am because why should you care? Why should you be here if I don't talk about myself and I don't tell you and let you into my life, you know? So I'll start from the beginning and the very first episode that I did was sort of a get-to-know-you episode, but I feel like I didn't really go too in-depth with it. So I'm going to attempt to do that right now. <laughs> and sorry if my voice sounds a little bit weird. Um, I've been drinking Bulletproof coffee. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically butter and MTC oil in your coffee. And it's got this like oily texture, which at first was unpleasant, but I'm getting used to it and it's fine but it does make my voice a little bit raspy. So, there you have it. Anyway. Okay, let's start from the beginning. (laughs) So, when I was in high school, I was not a great student. I didn't care to be there. I just was kind of lonely and didn't have many friends who were like true friends like I there were people that I hung out with inside of school but they didn't really invite me out anywhere and for that reason I basically was home a lot reading my books so I had basically no ambitions because no one really pushed me to be a good student or to get good grades. I come from a blue-collar family, so my parents always thought that I was just, you know, going to graduate college or graduate high school and, you know, maybe be a secretary or, you know, go into some other field that doesn't require a college degree, although I think secretaries have to have degrees now. I don't know. Anyway, um, so when I, I did, I also really wanted to get away from home because I was so kind of sheltered as a kid and I had pretty strict parents. Um, I come from an Italian Catholic family and in order to keep me close and out of trouble, their solution was just to keep me in. So I wanted to break away once I got to college, which I did. I went to a university that was about uh, 45 minutes to an hour away from my house. So, and I couldn't have a car on campus as a freshman. So I was pretty much stranded. And that year, I did really well my first semester. But then homesickness, depression, realizing that just because I moved away, wasn't going to make me cool or make people want to hang out with me set in and I still was having a hard time finding friends like true friends I did have a couple like one of my roommates I got pretty close to um and another girl 
who lived a couple floors below me. We got really close, but I still just was having a hard time the second semester. So I dropped out after I completed the second semester and failed most of my classes. So I decided to not go back to college that year and to pursue cosmetology instead, which was not a surprise to anybody. I always loved makeup. I always loved hair. I've always loved to play dress up and do makeovers on people. And in college, honestly, I, and I was doing that kind of stuff for my friends, you know, for parties or whatever, the very, very few parties that we got to go to because it was a small college and there was no Greek life or anything like that. So, um, yeah, we we didn't go out often, but when we did, I was helping with makeup and hair and all of that kind of stuff. So going to cosmetology school was definitely not a surprise. When I got out of cosmetology school and I got my license, I started working the way any stylist would as, <clears throat> excuse me, as a assistant first. And worked my way up to having my own chair. And basically that just means being a stylist or a junior stylist. But I was having a hard time building a book. And so I would move around from salon to salon, hoping that the next one would help me generate some sort of clientele. It's not as easy as it seems, especially in New Jersey, where there is a salon on literally every corner. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but New Jerseyans are really into their hair. And so I just was having a hard time. I was always being paid minimum wage instead of getting commission because the way it usually works isn't, it's not how it always works, but you start off either making um, minimum wage or a commission of when you start out between 30 and 45% of your total sales. So I barely ever hit that. So I was being paid minimum wage and I was on my feet for 12 hours a day, sometimes eight, depending on what salon I was at, but you get the idea. I was on my feet for a long time and not raking in the the money, Um, which is something that the cosmetology school pretty much promised, which was not great. They were basically like, oh, you know, this is a cash business. As soon as you get out, you're just going to have cash all the time. And that's just not true. Unless you work in, I would say, a big city under a really well-known hairstylist, it's just not as glamorous as they make it seem especially for somebody who lives in, I don't want to say a smaller town, but I didn't live in Philadelphia, uh, which is the greater, I'm from the greater Philadelphia area. Um, But since I was from New Jersey, my license was in New Jersey and I couldn't go to the city to work. So I was stuck working in my town or towns around me, which like I said, there's a salon on every corner and everybody's cousin, everybody's aunt or 
best friend is a hairstylist, so it's very competitive. I got super annoyed with the whole industry and decided to go back to college. And from, I would say, 2011 until now, (laughs) I've been going to college on and off. I started at community college because it was cheap. Um, I would get help from the state uh, and that sort of thing. So my major changed so much, (laughs) like so much and pretty drastically. I started off when I went back as an American Sign Language major, and then I switched to chemical engineering and found out that I was terrible at chemistry and terrible at math. So when I, when it finally came time to switch to a four-year college to, to complete my degree, I chose English and professional writing and basically found my calling <laughs> And it was something that was like, oh, why haven't you been doing this the whole time? Why did it take you this long to realize that you were supposed to be in the publishing industry or, you know, just to be a copy editor at the very least? Because I came to copy editing actually through a class that I took. And it was a creative writing class where we were required to critique each other and to give each other feedback. And I, for some reason, just really had an affinity to copy editing. I was just really good at it. So I decided I wanted to pursue that professionally. And I went on to Fiverr, got some gigs. And because of the percentage that they take from you, I was like, this sucks. This is pretty much being a hairstylist all over again. I'm working all these hours and, you know, really putting in so much time and dedication to this industry that I'm in love with. Like, I, this is what I want to do. And Fiverr is taking a huge chunk of it. So I decided to go out on my own. And so was born the word which or Word Witch Copy Consulting, and then this podcast to just give myself like a platform to talk to you people (laughs) because um, I have a hard time with video. So I don't know if I'll ever be on YouTube. I have, if you're on my social medias, if you've seen my TikTok or my Instagram, you know that I, I don't publish a whole lot of video. I've been trying, it's been getting better. I've been posting more more reels lately, but I'm not very consistent with it because it just it seems like a whole lot of work. Like the pressure of being a woman is real. Um my bullied inner teenager doesn't want to feel that again that um how I don't know what to call it like that sadness of being criticized for the way that I look. And so I don't post a whole lot um, of my image, but I know that's something I have to get over eventually. But yeah, so I figure podcasting, I mean, you might not like the sound of my voice and I'm sorry for that, but (laughs) at least it's not something that I've been bullied for my whole life. 
Um, yeah, so that's how I got here, basically. And so I've been trying to finish my degree in English and professional writing um, for a couple of years, but I'm paying for it completely out of pocket, so it's taking me longer than normal because I refuse to take out any more student loans. Um, I'm already like $35,000 in student loan debt from that one year of college that I did and cosmetology school. When you get paid minimum wage, you can't pay back your student loans. So there's that. Yeah, so I've been paying for college on my own, only taking a few courses at a time, whatever I can afford that semester and whatever aid I can get from from the government. It's been slow, but I'm working on it. And I got the dean's list this month or this semester, whatever you call it, which I'm so proud of because like I said, I was not a good student at all, at all. Like I graduated high school with a 1.9 GPA. I don't even know why the college that I went to right after high school even accepted me. My SAT scores were also not great. I'm not a good tester. And I was even tested for a learning disability. And the conclusion was that I have test anxiety. And that whenever I feel like I'm being timed on something, I can't focus on anything else but how much time I have left. Which... I've I've always been conscious of. It's it's weird. I needed a doctor to tell me that. <laughs> but yeah, I've always been conscious of that. I actually had Now this is back in the 90s. So <laughs> teaching methods are not the same as they used to be. But when I was in 3rd grade, because I had such a hard time being timed doing work, I had a third grade teacher actually put a timer on my desk and she would tell me if you complete your assignment by the time this timer goes off you can go to recess if not you have to stay in and complete the assignment yeah so there's that trauma that I've been trying to release for the past well like how old am I 25 years yeah so there's that <laughs> fun but yeah so i basically just want to be really transparent with you um i just want to add value to indie authors especially because and i think traditional authors are starting to realize this now too um <clears throat> You can make more money self-publishing than you can if you go traditional, which is going to be a model that eventually the big publishers are going to have to change because even the big authors are starting to switch over to self-publishing because they realize that they can make so much more money if they don't have to basically share the profit. And a lot of authors who are traditionally published don't end out don't end up out earning their advance. So basically what that means is say one of the big five or big four, whatever it is now, gives you $50,000 to go write this novel. 
and let's say you also are only going to take 20% of royalties once you earn out your $50,000, you won't receive any royalties until your 20% earns out that $50,000. That's a lot of copies. You have to sell a ton of copies in order to earn out that $20,000 or that $50,000. And then once you do, the percentage, I think, is between 7 and 12 7 and 10%? I can't remember the figure. I'll have to look that up. Um, correct me in my DMs if you know what the actual percentage is, but traditionally published authors only earn about 7 to 10% of their, their book sales. And as an indie author, you can earn up to 80% of your... Um, sales. And all of that depends on, you know, how much advertising you're doing and all of that stuff. Um, But basically, if you sell $100 worth of books, you keep $80 of that, which is really good in comparison to being a traditionally published author. So my goal is to help self-published authors, indie authors, sell more books, write better stories. And not only better stories, but stories that could actually be on the front table at Barnes & Noble. There's there's a huge disparity. Disparity? Disparity. (laughs) Can't talk today. There's a huge disparity on indie authors, and the consensus is that they're not as professional, that they're not as clean copy-wise. And as a copy editor, one of my biggest, I guess, I don't want to say annoyances, but like one of the things that does annoy me is authors who write a book and just publish it without having it sent to a copy editor because it makes other indie authors look bad. It brings the value of self-publishing down because we have big companies to compete with. They have so many more resources than we do. And so, of course, everything is going to look so neat and clean and barely any typos and all of that kind of thing when you're a traditionally published author. But when you're an indie author, you absolutely, it is, it is your duty to publish something that is clean and professional because it lifts up the rest of the community. I'm a big believer in that. And I'm sorry if you don't agree with me, but If we want to compete with the big four, we absolutely need to do our due due diligence. Wow, I can't say big words. And really take the time and the money to make it a professional product that we're putting out. 
And it's only going to help you in the long run as well, because people are going to read your book and they're going to be like, wow, I didn't even know that this was an indie author because the copy is clean. The style matches the big four. And when I talk about style, what that means is not only grammar, but the way in which certain words or punctuation is written and how it's placed, for example, in American publishing. Typically, we use Chicago-style manual. And the rules are that, let's just take dialogue, for example. If you have a dialogue tag that is coming after somebody says something, right? You punctuate first and put the quotation marks after it. That is a style. In British publishing, they do the opposite. They put their quotation marks and then they punctuate. So if it's, you know, so-and-so said something, um, you would put the quote, you would put the quotation marks, and then the comma would come after and it would say said XYZ, whoever said that thing. Um, But in American English, we put the quote, put the comma, then the quotation marks said so-and-so. That is a style choice. And if I pick up a book that has it the other way around, the British way, I cannot read it because it's not what my eyes are used to. And especially as a copy editor who edits American English, it, it's like nails on a chalk, chalkboard for me. So those types of things are crucial to whether or not your book is going to look professional or not, and whether it can compete with the traditionally published authors out there. And all of this to say, please just do your duty. And if you're an indie author, have your book copy edited by a professional. And I'll put a link in my show notes if you want to talk to me about it. You can email me. um, And if you mention the podcast, I'll give you a discount. So, yeah, that was just a really roundabout way of talking about myself. Um, And I don't know what else to talk about. What do you guys want to know about me? If you're following me on Instagram, you might get a better glimpse at who I am. (laughs) I do try to post as many reels as I can so you can see my face there. You could put a face to the voice. Um, And yeah, I just want to hang out. I want to talk to you. I want to cultivate a community, a culture. And... I just want to be there to help indie authors and to lift the community up because I think the direction that publishing is going and not just publishing, but the workplace in general, I think people are waking up to 
not being mistreated in the workplace. And so a lot of people nowadays want to be working from home and working for themselves. And indie publishing really does, if you do it the right way, it gives you that freedom. You can make a career out of this. It's a business, first and foremost, besides your books and the the physical writing of a novel, you have to treat this as a company, as if it's a business. And I think a lot of authors, a lot of indie authors have that desire to leave their job and be able to travel wherever they want to go and to be able to make money. That's one of my goals. I I don't want to have to take part-time jobs to help my um to supplement my income. I want to just write novels and and be the word witch and help the indie community become career authors as well because I'm a big believer that we were not put on earth to work and then die. I think if you have the desire to be a writer, then that is your path. And it's one that you can follow in order to give yourself a filling life. Because authors can write from wherever. And I know I talk about my sacred writing space. And that just really helped me to ground myself in being an author. And I can write other places. It's not that I can't. I prefer to write in my sacred writing space. But eventually, I'd like to live the life of a digital nomad. You know, just on the road, on a plane, (laughs) traveling around with my fiancé. And not be really tied down to any one place. That's my dream, you know. I'd love to wake up on the coast of Italy or France or, you know, anywhere in the world and look out and see an ocean and write from my balcony. You know, that's like my one huge goal. And I love to do that for other people as well, to help other authors do the same thing. Because I think traveling is important, not only for our mental health and for our own selfish desires to, you know, want to eat pizza in Italy (laughs) or um, to see historical sites and things like that, but to culturalize ourselves and to experience other countries and how they live and what it's like to be there. Um, As Americans, we don't get to see that a whole lot. You know, in Europe, you've got countries surrounding other countries. It's, you know, a train ticket to another country for not a whole lot of money and you can experience that culture within a few hours 
and it's not that expensive, but for Americans, we have to fly across the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean or whatever ocean to get anywhere else. Um, I mean, we have Canada and Mexico, but most of the time we're still having to fly there, which is expensive. And so I feel like we're not as cultured as we could be. And so traveling, being able to work from wherever, make money, and experience the world, I think is one of the most amazing things about being an indie author. So, yeah, that's what I want to do. Um, so, also... At the time of this recording, Russia has invaded Ukraine. I'm sorry, I can't. I'm ha- I'm having a really hard time with it. Um, they invaded yesterday, and I've been crying <laughs> ever since. <sighs> I'm not Ukrainian. I don't have friends over there. I don't know anyone from the Ukraine. But I feel so sad. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to I had to take a pause and, and get myself back together. <laughs> I planned on recording this episode yesterday, but then the news broke about Ukraine. And while we're on the subject of traveling, I just, it reminded me of what's happening over there. And if you are Ukrainian, if you're in the Ukraine and you're listening to this, I don't even know if you have time to listen to this or what is going on over there, but my prayers are with you. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to do it again. <laughs> um, I hope that you're okay. I know I have some Ukrainian listeners um, because I can I can see on my analytics from Anchor where people are, people are listening from, and I do have a little bit of a Ukrainian audience. It's very small, but um, yeah, my thoughts and my prayers are with you, and I hope. One day I get to see your beautiful country. Oh, fuck. I think I need to do a breathwork session. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, if you are not in the Ukraine and you have the means, please donate. They need our help. And if you can, even if you can only donate 50 cents... <laughs> please do so okay anyway um so what else can I tell you about me I'm a witch (laughs) um you all know that I've talked about it before just briefly mentioning that I practice witchcraft um So what does that mean, actually? Well, 
basically. I <laughs> create spells. Um, I use herbs and oils and various other flammable <laughs> ingredients to uh, bring about change. And honestly, that's really all witchcraft is. Um, I believe in energy work and that, you know, at the very cellular, the smallest, tiniest level, we are all energy. And, you know, you can look at a desk and it looks solid, but under a really powerful microscope, it's actually just a bunch of molecules bouncing around um, and negative and positive energy. So, my belief in what spells and all of the things that we do in order to affect change happens in the quantum field. So, to kind of tie witchcraft into science, um... Yeah, I believe that what we are doing is affecting the things around us and the energy around us at the quantum level. Um, words have power. We know this. It's actually proven. Um, there was a scientist, and I can't think of his name right now, who did a study on water molecules. And he took water from the same source he put them in two separate containers and to the one container he basically would sing to it he would tell it positive things and he would you know play music for it all of these things that had a positive effect on it and the other jar he would basically bully and say mean things to it and play angry music for it and all of these other negative uh, things and what he found was the water acted differently each each container had water molecules that were acting differently to one another and I, I don't know the whole story or like how like what was so different about it but basically the water that was um being sung to and talked to and loved actually had a more healthy or positive uh, structure or something like that. And the, the container that had the water in it that was being talked down to and that sort of thing had bad things wrong with it or whatever it was. So... You can look up the study, just Google um, negative water study or something like that. And basically, my thoughts on that are that words literally are magic. And that's why my tagline is where words are magic, because I really believe so um, at the quantum level. I think what 
we are doing is affecting the energy around us. And I think for people who are of other faiths, of Christian faith, faith, um, Islam, whatever it is that you practice, when you pray, you're using words, you're putting energy behind it. And so whatever energy we can't see is being affected. So prayer and spell work is really just the same thing. We just call it different things. And speaking of religion, I know you're probably wondering if I'm Wiccan, if um, I'm pagan or whatever it is my religious beliefs are. And I just want to say this with a caveat that witchcraft and religion are not synonymous. They do not go hand in hand, but you can incorporate your religion into your witchcraft practice. So basically, for me, um, I believe in something called pantheism, which means I believe that every religion has some sort of truth that there are, that essentially the universe is God, that whatever created the universe is God, and that every religion up until now is right to some degree. Who do I pray to? (laughs) Who do I give offerings to? I have this sort of dualistic view of what that energy is. The God energy. I believe that the God energy is both male, female, and pan, like neither. Um, I don't think of that gender in terms of sex organs. It's the energy of the feminine or from the masculine and how in each thing it's balanced. So, for instance, water has a very feminine energy. It's cool, it's flowy, it's beautiful, it's, you know, all of these feminine different things that you can kind of articulate in a way that's like, okay, I could see water as being feminine because it's nurturing, it's nourishing, it's all of these things that we associate with femininity, whereas fire is warm, it's hot, it's, at points, it's ferocious, it can literally consume, and so can water, but um, the energy of fire is much more masculine because it is more violent. And so, God, or I don't, I don't really have a name for what I believe is out there. You know, Zeus, 
Odin, God. I believe they were all the same thing. Um, and so I believe that that source, that energy is both masculine, feminine, and neither. Because at points, there is a such thing as neither masculine or feminine. Some things just are, or they're neutral. And I'm trying to think of an example of something that has a, a neutral energy, but I can't. Um, I guess like a neutral atom. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I failed out of chemistry, obviously, like I just told you. So I'm not super sciencey, but um, yeah, I just think of God in the universe as energetics. I do have certain deities that I don't worship, but I have a deep appreciation for because of what they represent. A couple just off the bat are Hecate from the Greek pantheon, um, Freya, who uh, is Scandinavian, or Viking, whatever you want to call it, Um, Kali, who is a Hindu god, goddess, Um, who else? Odin. I like Odin. Um, the Morrigan. Celtic. Rhiannon. Yeah. So, I respect these gods because and goddesses for what they represent, for their energy, for what they gave to the world at some point. But like I said, it's not like I worship them. Um, I don't typically pray to them. Um, when I do pray, it's usually for or usually to the source, the god energy, um, the goddess energy, um, the divine feminine, the divine masculine. It depends on what I'm trying to change or what I'm asking for. Um, So, for instance, if it's protection, I might pray to the Divine Feminine because oftentimes she's represented as the moon or as night Um, because night has a very nurturing sort of energy and throughout history and other Uh, pagan religions um, night was represented as a goddess and if I'm asking for money I might pray to the divine masculine because money has a more masculine energy and things like that so all of this to say I I do use religion in my practice, but it's not a dogma type of religion. It's my own making. I don't believe in 
institutionalized religion. Um, I grew up Catholic, and I have a lot of issues with Catholicism and their claim that they are the one true religion. I don't think that there's such thing as a true religion. I don't even think what I'm doing is necessarily right or wrong. I just think it is. It's it's a truth within me. It's something that I believe to be true for myself. And I think it's different for everybody else. And I also think that um, religions who tell you that you have to act a certain way in order to enter the kingdom of heaven um, is not only damaging, but it is to control simply that is what religions were made for was to control the people from you know acting a certain way or you know I don't know don't want to get into politics and all that kind of thing but um religions were a part of politics before America and um yeah, I just, I don't believe in organized religion. I am a, well, actually not anymore. I used to be a, um, a soul practitioner. I didn't practice with a coven. I do have a coven now, um, but we don't all have the same view on what God is. I think we have similar views, but, you know, we're not, we're not a Gardnerian coven. We're not you know, a blue star coven. We're just a bunch of witches who <laughs> like to make potions and um, protection spells. And I think we're all deeply spiritual. Um, and yeah, so I hope that gave you a little bit of insight into who I am uh, as a person, as a witch as a professional because I think at the end of the day being somebody who is spiritual <clears throat> and by spiritual what I mean is that you um, connect with your spirit and you are always your goal is to evolve your spirit not just I think the the word the term spiritual gets thrown around a lot, but not a whole lot of people understand what that means, or they don't put a whole lot of thought or weight into it. And so, what spirituality is for me is connecting to my higher self, trying to evolve my soul, my spirit, my human form to its highest degree to connect with. God or the source, goddess, whatever you want to call it, and to just be a truly in-touch human being, Um, to be as mindful as I can, and to be just divinely guided and connected, and to share my light, whatever light that I have, (laughs) whatever light that source wants to give me with the world. 
um, to try and uplift it, you know? We're only here for a short time uh, in this incarnation. And I didn't even talk about incarnation or my beliefs around that, but um, yeah, I'm only going to be in this body and this incarnation once. And I want to do it right. And I want to help people to see their potential and to be their best selves. So when I talk about spirituality, that's what I'm talking about. It's being the highest evolved form of myself. And it's ever unfolding. It's not something that has a destination. It's a journey. Yeah, so... I hope that was okay. And I know I have a part two on dialogue that I owe you guys. And it's coming, I promise. I just had a lot to talk about. And I wanted to help you guys get to know me better. And I'm sorry that I cried. <laughs> um, yeah. I just want to be open and vulnerable and transparent with who I am. Um, so yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, if you got any value out of it at all, or if you just liked listening to me talk, um, come follow me on Instagram at wordwitchcc, and that's C as in cat. I'm also on TikTok at wordwitchcc, so come follow me on there. Like I said, I don't post a whole lot. I try. I really do. I try. I'm getting better at being in front of a camera, but yeah. So I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode useful, please leave a five-star review. It really helps other magical word crafters like yourself find the podcast and benefit from the content. Take a screenshot of your review and email it to hello at wordwitchcc.com for a free thank you gift. Happy wordcrafting!